Hello all. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, really, really wonderful to be with you. Um, I'm sorry I can't be with you in person. Um, earlier when it was chucking it down with, with snow, the clumps of snow were about this big um, and it looked pretty sketchy at the time. So I had to make a call um, and thought I didn't wouldn't want to get stuck anywhere and then not be able to be with you at all. Um, but it is a joy to be able to be with you through Zoom. Um, and as we've already given thanks to God uh, for technology um, it is a real blessing, isn't it, to be able to to meet together still in in some capacity. And the great thing is that though I'm not with you, uh, we're opening up God's Word, who is with us all the time. Um, and so His Holy Spirit will still speak, even though all you can see is a bunch of pixels on a screen. Um, so that's what I'm really pleased about. Um, my name is Ben. If I I came down earlier last year um, to to see you guys. In fact. I remember it was the first day when I stopped shaking people's hands the day I visited you and we started doing the the little elbow bump. Um, and and I remember sort of wanting to be well, you know, to say hello and be warm and stuff, but also not knowing whether I should shake people's hands or not. And that seems like a world away now, doesn't it? Um, I think that was early last year. Um but it's it's lovely to be back with you. I'm from Cornerstone Church. Um, I think you guys have had a few um, of our chaps come down and preach to you so far, and I think you've got a couple more. Um, I, I'm I'm quite familiar with the NIV, um, which says I am the gate. Um, but I think you guys like to use the ESV, which is I am the door. So I've uh, I've taken ESV references for this sermon. So if I say gate, I mean door, and if I say door, I mean gate. And um, it's all the same thing really isn't it so uh let me just pray for god's help um and then I'll, I'll i'll dive straight in father we do thank you um that though we might be separated from each other uh we can never be separated from you um nothing can separate us in all of creation uh either height nor depth nor anything and and we thank you for that. And we pray that now as we look at your word in more detail and we see Jesus's words, I'm I'm the door. We pray that we'd be struck um, afresh by the simplicity and the beauty and the grace of your gospel. Uh, and if there's any of us am among us who who haven't heard this message before, would you please, by your Holy Spirit, show us the truth of it? We pray in Jesus name. Amen. OK, so you might have noticed uh, through these I am statements that you've been looking at so far that Jesus isn't just giving these statements out randomly um, as he's going through his ministry. It's not like he's walking through a field and suddenly he goes, oh, and another thing, I am this and I'm that. Uh, or he's having breakfast with the disciples and goes, "Ah, I just remembered this is something else I should tell you. I'm also this. They're always given at a time when they need to be heard. Um, if you think about the statement, I am the resurrection and the life, as an example, uh, it wasn't said, though it's an incredible statement, I am the resurrection and the life. It wasn't said on the Sermon on the Mount, which would have been a very weighty and a sort of appropriate place for it. It wasn't even said when he'd fed 5,000 people, when he did that miracle. You know, that would have been a great time for him to make that announcement. Oh, and by the way, everyone, I am. The, he doesn't say it in these times. He said, I am the resurrection and the life at the funeral of Lazarus. And he didn't say it to thousands of people. He said it to Martha, who was grieving her brother. 
And so the words, I am the resurrection and the life, were powerful because they were said in the face of death to someone who was grieving. And we get the same thing with this statement, I am the door. It's not randomly chucked out there by Jesus at a random time. Um, Because what comes right before it, uh, in fact, all of chapter nine is taken up by this, is an account where a blind man is thrown out the door of the synagogue. Let me give you a quick overview of chapter nine so that we can see this. So chapter nine kind of begins with Jesus spitting on the ground and making mud with his saliva, which is a bit weird. And then he does something even weirder and he he rubs it in the eyes of this blind man. Very strange. But then he tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And the blind man obeys Jesus and uh, does exactly as he says. He goes and washes himself and he goes home being able to see. It's a miracle. This man who was born blind, he's never seen in his life, can now see because of this miracle. The problem was this caused such a commotion among the Pharisees who were the religious sort of experts and leaders of the day. The problem, the thing that caused such a commotion was that this healing, this miracle was done on a Sabbath day, which was meant to be the day that you you, you didn't work, according to Jewish law. And the first thing the Pharisees did when they heard about this uh, was not, my goodness me, praise God. Uh, It's been a miracle. The first thing the Pharisees said when they heard about this was grumble, 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 grumble. The man who healed him is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. And then there's an eruption that sort of uh, happens in the synagogue over who Jesus is, because there are some who say that uh, only a man of God could have healed him. And others are saying, uh, but he healed on the Sabbath, so he can't be from God. And this poor blind man who's had probably the craziest day of his life is brought into the synagogue to give his testimony. And they say, who healed you? Uh, Why did he heal you? When did he heal you? All of these different questions. And they even get this blind man's parents in and they say, is this your son? And they go, yes, this is our son. Was he born blind? Yes, he was born blind. And they get, they get angry and angry and angrier. And eventually they, they, they reiterate their status as Moses' disciples And they renounce this blind man as a sinner and they throw him out of the synagogue. All because Jesus healed him uh, on a Sabbath day. And here's the key. By throwing him out of the synagogue, the Pharisees are reminding the people that they are the doorkeepers to God. The synagogue was the house of God. And if you disagreed with the Pharisees, then they had the power to throw you out of it. And to bar entry back into it. They were the ones, in other words, who opened or closed the door to God. That's what they thought. And so then we come to John chapter 10 that we just read. And this question, who is the door? That's, the, that's my first point. Who is the door? Uh, verse one, as we read, says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. So Pharisees, you're right. There is a door and that is the door in which you enter the sheepfold. You're right about that. But are you the ones who control it? Are you the ones who can open this door to God or close it off to people? Do people have to go through you to join this flock? Are you the door? 
And verse 6 says quite hilariously, they did not understand what he was saying to them. (laughs) They didn't get it. They had no idea what Jesus was going on about. So in verse 7, Jesus puts it very plainly. So Jesus said, uh, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door, Jesus says, not you, Pharisees, not anyone else. I am. And Jesus is is using picture language here, isn't he? He's obviously not a door. He's not a wooden walking uh, door with hinges and a handle uh, and some panels on him. He's a he's a person, but he's using picture language. And actually, they would have understood very clearly what he was saying here. So Middle Eastern sheep pens. We we don't understand this, but we need to understand this. Middle Eastern sheep pens in those days were not like um, your uh, sort of babe. If you've seen that film, sheep pens or your Yorkshire Dale sheep pens, your countryside sheep pens that we have here in England. Uh, Middle Eastern sheep pen in those days was made up of one continuous stone wall that was uninterrupted except for a single opening, which was the door, the gate. And so what Jesus is doing by saying to the Pharisees, I am the door of the sheep, is claiming very clearly to be the gateway to God's people. There's no other way in. Just like in a sheep pen, there's only one door. There's no other entrance to God except through me. There's not one if you've been a good person, like, oh, if you've been a good person, you go over there. There's not one if you're better than other people, you go through that one over there. Uh, There's not one if you followed lots of religious laws or if you're quite impressive and you know a lot of stuff. There's only one door and it's Jesus. And actually, Jesus says, if anyone tries to go in through another way, actually, they are a thief and a robber. They are not genuine sheep. So let's just backtrack a little bit because, you know, before we can care who the door really is or isn't, just a, a quick point on what does this door even lead to? We're talking about a sheep pen. You know, do are we are we sheep? Do we want to be inside a stinky uh, Middle Eastern sheep pen? What What is on the inside of Jesus's uh, sheep pen? Why is it worth knowing uh, who the door really is? So my second thing quickly is what's inside this sheep pen? Uh, the next few verses after the ones we've just read, give us three pictures of what it means to be in the sheep pen of God. And I think when we see them, it's pretty clear why we should care who the door is, why we should pay attention to Jesus when he's telling us who the real door is. So first first picture, verse nine, Jesus says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So there's salvation through this door is the first thing. There's salvation in the sheep pen from our sins. Being one of God's people means being saved, which is interesting, isn't it? Because the Pharisees were saying that you had to be cleaned from your sins, uh, saved from your sins before you could go through the door. They said to this blind man, you're sinful, get out. But actually, Jesus says the way you are saved from your sins is by going through the door. He says, if anyone enters by me, 
he will, as a result of that, be saved. So do you need saving from your sins? I certainly need saving from my sins. Have you tried to clean yourself up and failed again and again? Sort of you're outside the door. You know, you're not good enough to go in, you know, trying to sort yourself out. Well, this is why we call the gospel good news, because the truth is what Jesus is saying to sinful people like me and like you is that the door is not closed to you. If you go through this door, that's how you deal with your sins. That's how you deal with your sins. If it was the other way around, if you had to deal with your sins before you came in, then the door would never be open to us, would it? I don't know about you, but there are certain sins that I battle away with daily. And there are certain sins that when you look at your life, you take a step back and you look at your life as a whole, you seem to make very little progress with. You, you don't want to be a sinner anymore. You try and sort yourself out in various ways, but new sins spring up all the time. But this is Jesus's invitation to people like me and you, if you're like me. We're not saved by getting rid of our sins before we go in through this door. But we're saved by going through this door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That's the order. And it's not just salvation from our sins either, but ultimately salvation from death as well, which I think nowadays uh, seems kind of more relevant than it's ever done before. It's a silly thing to say, really, but it, it, it does seem more relevant now that we're saved from, from, from death because our world is crying out for a saviour, isn't it? And the vaccine, though we're grateful to God for his mercy in, in giving it for us, it's actually not the ultimate saviour that we need because it's not a vaccine for death, is it? It's a vaccine for covid and so if we take it, it might make our lives a little bit longer, but actually every single person who's vaccinated against COVID will still die. Our world needs an ultimate saviour to save us from, from death. And inside this sheep pen is that salvation from our sins and from death. So that's the first thing. The second thing, verse nine goes on. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That's what we just saw. And we will go in and out and find pasture so there's freedom for god's people in his sheep pen we can go in and out now a lot of people think christianity following jesus is restrictive it it, it says you can't do lots of things but actually being a follower of jesus is liberating jesus has come to break our chains to release captives to set prisoners free that's the kind of language that we have as christians uh, we can go in and out we're, we're free from things so if you want freedom from selfishness or addiction or oppression or the world sort of outside of you, then inside God's sheep pen, being one of his people, that's what brings real freedom. And in, in this world, in many ways, we have these freedoms, but in heaven, we will have that freedom perfectly, completely. And some of us, um, I know Rob is, is actually uh, locked down and, and maybe a few of you are um, in isolation. You're in quarantine at the moment. But actually in the sheep pen, you're never in quarantine. You can go in and you can go out. Some of us can't even do that right now. But in heaven, we'll be able to go in and out. And we can find pasture, it says. Um, which is a, a funny word to 
sort of say that a human is looking for pasture. But what that means is, is satisfaction, abundance, rest, that kind of stuff. Everyone's looking for that, aren't they? Um, maybe you've heard of Elon Musk, who is the CEO of SpaceX and um, Tesla. Uh, he was named a couple of weeks ago the richest man in the world. And I know him and the owner of Amazon sort of do this with each other and overtake each other um, every now and then. But a few weeks ago, it was Elon Musk's turn and he was top of the pile. And someone who, uh, in one of these organizations that keeps track of these sorts of things, who the richest person in the world is, they tweeted him and said, you're now the richest man in the whole world. And he tweeted back two things, which I thought were quite interesting. The first tweet was, how strange. Which I think is fair enough. Uh, if you are told that you are the tip of the spear, you're on top of the whole world, that must be a, quite an odd place to be. So that was his first tweet. How strange. The second one was, oh, well, back to work. <laughs> Even the richest man in the world said, back to work, back to looking, back to seeking that pasture, back to trying to achieve something and find meaning and satisfaction in my life. But through this door that Jesus is inviting us to, there's pasture, there's satisfaction and there's rest. That's the second thing. The third thing uh, in verse 10, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that's kind of more of what I've already said. But, uh, you know, life in all its fullness uh, life with all its pasture, life with freedom, uh, life with no sickness, no need for a vaccine. That's the kind of life. That's the kind of world we want to live in, isn't it? So Jesus has come to offer us a place in God's people. That's what it means to be in this sheep pen, to go through this door. We find salvation. We find pasture. We find life of true abundance. That's what's so good about being. Uh, in the sheep and that's why it's crucial to know who the door is so how do we get in how could we possibly be good enough to get in why is it that the door is wide open to us why is it that we're saved just by going through this door doesn't make any sense uh well i've got another sheep reference to help explain this third point how how is it that we get in jesus is the lamb that was slain so lambs in the Old Testament were used, um, as you probably know, as sacrifices for people's sins. So if you had sinned, uh, you would take a lamb and you would kill it as a replacement for you, actually. The wages of sin is death, we're told. And so the lamb dies in, in your place. Your sin is a shocking thing, really, to say. But your sin should mean that you die. That's the only right outcome for breaking God's holy law and we should be thrown out of God's people the door should be slammed shut in our faces but God gave uh, the sacrificial system he gave lamb's blood to run instead of ours and Jesus is the perfect spotless lamb of God who was slain not just for one person's sin when one person messed up but for the whole world and that means that he was slain for your sin. He was slain for my sin. He was slain for, for, for everyone's sin. 
his blood ran so that ours doesn't have to. And so because of that, when we come to Jesus, who's the door to heaven, it's wide open. Because we're coming through Jesus, who is the one who's paid the penalty for our sins. That's why we can just simply walk through. That's why when we enter through Jesus, we're saved because we enter through his sacrifice on the cross. If anyone enters by me, says Jesus, he will be saved. And my, my last sort of point is, is, is looking back again at this blind man. Uh, because if we want proof of this, if we want proof that it's that simple, that we just come through to Jesus and we're in the sheep pen, then we just need to remember the blind man that we saw from chapter nine at the start, the one who was thrown out of God's presence by the Pharisees. Because actually he was a sinner like like us. And in some ways he should have been thrown out of the synagogue with the door slammed in his face. But actually we see that he entered the sheep pen eventually through the real door, which is Jesus. And we see that at the end of chapter nine, uh, it says in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Uh, Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. So the man, though he was thrown out of the synagogue because of his sin, he eventually entered the real gate, Jesus because he believed in him and he worshipped him. So Jesus didn't come to him. He didn't find him and say, have you obeyed all the rules that I gave you? He said to him, do you believe in the son of man? In John 6, Jesus says that it's the will of the father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. It doesn't say it is the father's will that all those who have measured up, all those who have lived well, all those who have kept all my laws should have eternal life. But it says all those who look at the son and believe in him. So I want to ask you guys, I want to ask you, Beck and Tree, is that you? Do you believe in the son of man and what he did for you on the cross? The lamb who was slain. Or have you been trying your whole life to be a good person? Worried to death, you know, that you'll mess up, you know, worried that every time you sin, God's going to slam the door in your face because you've messed up again. You know, God's got a certain amount of patience, but no, you keep messing up. So the door's slammed in your face. Well, actually, the Pharisees would tell you that the door is closed, but not Jesus. Jesus tells us that with him, the door is wide open. And he invites you in. Do you believe in the son of man? And he 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 tells us that we need to listen to what he said and not what anyone else says. So in verse eight, he says, all those who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So need to warn you, there are thieves and robbers out there telling you this, telling you that you're a good person. You don't need Jesus. There's another gate for you. Or. How on earth could you have you done that? You've blown your only chance of going in. Why would the door be open to you? Those are the thieves and robbers. But Jesus says that his sheep don't listen to those voices. Instead, he asks you, do you believe in the son of man? You have seen him. 
is he who is speaking to you. So two points of application for you just to finish with. First point of application. Be like the blind man. Be like the blind man in chapter nine who knew he wasn't good enough to go through the door of the synagogue on his own. But he didn't listen to those voices. Instead, he believed in the son of man and what he had done and accepted his invitation to enter through the real door and enter into life in all its fullness. That same invitation is extended to you. So would you be like the blind man if you haven't already? Go through the Lord Jesus. That's my first point of application. The second point of application is be like Jesus. Extend this invitation out to others. Jesus came to this man and said, do you believe in the son of man? That's the question he wants to ask everyone. Do you believe in the son of man? Do you believe in the son of man? That's what he's interested in. And people might answer like the blind man did. And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Who is this Jesus? And we can't say like Jesus, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one talking to you. But in the first song that we sang this afternoon, we sang, come and see. Come and see the man who wore a crown of uh thorns see the power of god as he rises from the grave that's the invitation that we have come and see jesus in the scriptures come and see jesus in sermons come and see jesus in the songs that we sing to one another and then they may like the blind man say lord i believe and worship him wouldn't that be a wonderful thing so jesus is the door Let's be like the blind man and accept this invitation and let's be like Jesus. Let's extend this invitation to others. Let me just pray. Father, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus into this world uh, to be the lamb that was slain for our sin. And thank you that because of that, the door to you, the door to heaven, the door to being part of your people is wide open we don't have to sort our sins out before we come through but we sort our sins out by coming through the lord jesus thank you so much for that help us to accept this invitation this wonderful invitation and help us to be passionate about inviting others in as well asking people do you believe in the son of man So would you help us with these things? And we give you great thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.